I literally took a hammer to my life and started over because you're never too late. You, if, if what is at the end of that tunnel is your happiness, and you're never too late to start over. I'm your host, Stephanie Capilupo, and this is Rust Belt Babes. Hello and welcome to episode seven after an unannounced and quite honestly unintentional hiatus. I am also glad to be back. Hopefully the nicer weather will help to melt this anxiety ball that seems to reside in my chest, but I am so, so incredibly excited for today's guest. I had the pleasure of getting to chat with Siri Roman of Social Maven and Petite Soiree, not once, but twice, and I can't say enough good things about her. Her story is an awe-inspiring tale of what can happen when you follow your interests and you hustle hard. But what struck me the most, I think, is her dedication to both clients and the industry. They feed off of each other in a very synergistic way, and Siri does an amazing job of balancing the two. I'm so excited for you to listen in and hear her amazing story. Welcome, Siri. Thank you so much for being here and joining me today. So you currently own two event businesses, but I feel like being an event planner isn't something you just wake up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be an event planner. You kind of have to work within some kind of industry that exposes you to it. And then you find out that you're really interested in that. So what was your journey like to even get into that? Yes, you definitely do not wake up one morning and decide that you want to create beautiful weddings or events for other people that's not you uh definitely fell into it and you know it was the best thing that ever happened my background is in production of events as well as culinary arts hotel restaurant management um i never grew up thinking i wanted to be a wedding planner or an event planner of any kind that was never in my radar and honestly i did not know it was a profession um i grew up uh, around a lot of food and in the kitchen and restaurants and so on and so forth so that was the one thing that i always knew i wanted to be a part of so when i was in high school i wanted to become a food writer so i went to college out of high school to become a writer and immediately decided that i hated it and immediately realized that if you want to be any sort of food writer you probably should have training in the food industry, right? So after a couple of years, um, trying to figure out what to do, um, my dad suggested that I should maybe tour some culinary schools. So we went to a few, we went to the CIA, we went to a couple more, Johnson & Wales in Florida and Miami. Um, And I landed in a little school um, in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is where he was moving to at the time. So I actually have a degree in culinary arts and hospitality management. That's what I uh, started doing. And I (laughs) quickly realized that the kitchen was not the place where I wanted to be for the rest of my life. Um, Back then, the Me Too movement was not a thing. Um, And as we all know, it's a very, very difficult environment to be in and yeah it definitely kicked my ass and I decided that I wanted to explore the front of the house Uh, but I did have uh, the backbone and the knowledge in food and culinary so I could really I could really speak to it so I was very successful in the front of the house and I went up the ranks pretty quickly I was very lucky that my general manager at the time took an interest in me and showed me the ins and outs of running a restaurant and you know being in management and the financial aspect of it and all of the little things that you have to do the ordering all of those things so he took me under his wing and showed me how to do it and then hired me or promoted me as an assistant manager then a manager under him Um, but there was a time where he said well you can't really grow here anymore I'm not going anywhere you're not going to take my job he was very smart he said I think you should uh, explore other options 
and I was still in West Palm Beach, Florida at the time. So he gave me a career fair flyer for the four seasons in Palm Beach. So I went over there, uh, got a job in the purchasing department. I was the assistant for the purchasing director and we purchased everything from tomatoes to bed sheets. It was really, really interesting to see the back end of that whole machine and how it really works. And I was able to um, to learn uh, a lot. She was, uh, she was really, really tough. And it wasn't until I grew in my career years later that I realized how much I actually learned from her. I remember going home crying on a regular basis. Um, she was really, really tough, but you know, she really did teach me uh, a whole lot. So my career kept moving from then on. I moved a couple of times. I ended up in Louisiana and um, every restaurant that I managed from that point forward had a catering aspect to it, had some sort of events operation. And this one specific place, uh, the owner at the time said to me, well, we have a catering department, we have an event space, you can either hire a catering director, or you can do it yourself and we'll increase your salary. Obviously, I was like, 24 and super eager. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I'll do it myself. Give me all the money. Right. Yeah. A life? Who cares about a life? <laughs> I will work a hundred hours a week if I have to. And I kind of took it over and I really, really quickly realized that that was the one part of this industry that really lit me up, that really, really made me want to make people feel that way. Because if you really look into the nitty gritty of anyone in this industry, we have service at heart and we are definitely people pleasers. And we just want to make people feel good feelings. That's what we do it for. Yeah. Uh, when I moved to Buffalo 11 years ago, I got a position um, at the Sabres Arena and <laughs> one thing led to another and I ended up managing one of their clubs plus their catering department. I did both things at once, not without help. We had a, we had a lot of help, but that club in the arena hosts weddings during the off season. So that's how I got my, my name out there in the wedding industry uh, in the wedding world because I plan weddings there and um, those clients would recommend me to their friends because I planned their wedding but I couldn't I couldn't plan weddings outside of that space because I was employed by the company yeah. and after the fifth time I said no I said to myself wait you have something here I want to I want to back you up because it it sounds like throughout all of your earlier days of going through the culinary and the customer service, it sounds like you had some really great managers and mentors, even, even though the one at the hotel was tough on you and, and you know, you went home crying, they all seem to steer you in the right direction and teach you things. And do you think that mentorship that early on really helped get you where you are? A hundred percent. I am a firm believer that it doesn't matter how good, bad, mediocre your mentor at the time or your boss or your manager or whoever's in charge at the time is it 100% is about what you learn from the experience and what you take from it. I had a lot of great mentors throughout my life, and I still do. And I also had a lot of really bad ones. And from the bad ones, I learned what not to do, which I would argue is more important than learning what to do. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in mentorship. I seek it out. I have mentors in my industry now that I'm part of masterminds with them. Um, I try to mentor my own team um, anytime that I can. I actually put together 
a group of wedding planners around here because I'm one of the ones that's been around for the longest. And um, I noticed that there was no community. No one talked to each other. Everyone considered the other competition. And especially with 2020, I said, no, this cannot be. If we're going to move forward and move the needle in our industry here, we have to be on the same page and at least know what the other person is about. Uh, so mentorship and being taught by the right people at the right time, I think has been paramount in, um, in getting to where I am today. I really respect that because like you said, even learning from the quote unquote bad mentors, right? They taught you something. They taught you that what not to do. And that is just as important. I'm just echoing what you're saying now. It's just as important as learning what to do. So, okay. So we're now we're in Buffalo and you're working at the arena and you are helping to do these events in the off season. So how exactly did that work? Were people asking you to, to also plan events off site? Is that how that kind of got started? Yeah, so it was part of my job to plan any event, corporate, uh, for people that were members of the club, for anyone. Anything that happened at that club was my responsibility. So that was, you know, what I did. Um, and then people that would come to those events eventually started asking me to plan things for them outside of the uh, confines of the arena. And I was an employee of Delaware North, so I couldn't just, like, do that you know, for them through the mm -hmm. Delaware North. So after I said a couple times, I uh, uh, said no and turned down a bunch of, you know, income, I said, you know what, I definitely have something here. And it's in an area of business that really, really interests me and I really love. But I didn't trust myself enough to just open my business and start, you know, here I am quitting my job. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to plan events for other people for a living. Obviously, it didn't happen that way. I decided that I needed to find a position in which I could have a quote unquote nine to five and then plan weddings and execute weddings on the weekend. So basically, just giving myself two or three jobs again, here I am. And it was very serendipitous that um, we got an email. So the company puts out an email, I think it was every week at this point, of positions available internally. So there was a position for a culinary recruiter. Mind you, I did not have any experience in uh, formally in HR, but I hired a ton of people through my career and train them and fire them. And, you know, I was responsible at the arena for a huge team uh, because we had a 400 seater restaurant and, and an enormous catering department. So I was very upfront with the person who hired me at the time. I said, Hey, I don't have any formal HR experience, but I speak the language that you need to speak in order to be successful at this position. Um, and I was very fortunate that he totally believed in me. He saw that I really did have what it took to uh, be successful in that position. And he hired me, but yeah, while I was there, I worked way more than nine to five because we know that, you know, <laughs> hospitality and the food industry does not sleep. So I was not going to be able to be successful at my job if I was just working nine to five. So it was kind of a juggling act, but I was definitely down for it. I, I truly, truly loved that position because recruiting is something where you make a tangible change and improvement in someone's life. And that's what I truly, truly loved about it, the, the being able to give someone an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. So that really, really, really filled my, filled my cup. And I really, really loved it and enjoyed it. And I was very good at it. Um, I traveled a bunch, which I really loved. And I still was able to handle a few weddings a year. Um, and, I, and I did. And I, uh, what I did for, <laughs> for those years was instead of taking my vacation time all at once, I would take half days on Fridays to do the rehearsals for these weddings and then, you know, do the wedding on the weekend. And if I was dying on Monday, I would take Monday off of vacation day every time I had a wedding. Uh, but most, most of those years I didn't take vacation. I just used the vacation days for, um, 
to help me handle executing my weddings. Yeah, it was a it was a lot. I also was going through a divorce in the middle of all of that, so it was super super challenging, but very 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 rewarding. And and here I am after what four years ago is when I so after four years is when I, whenever I said you know I I can do this I can do this I had enough savings to live without any income for about a year and a half. Wow. Um, I, I paid off all my debt. I uh, was like, uh, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to do this ever. I moved from the Hotel Lafayette to a little house on the West Side and, you know, just put my head down and did the work. And I'm definitely not a super hippie or I'm not like an idealistic kind of person, but I truly believe that when you put something out into the universe, it listens. And it just gives you a little push here and there to just keep keep going. Um, you just have to like know where to look for the <laughs> for those Absolutely. signs of reassurance. And and I did. And uh, yeah, I have not looked back. That's an amazing ride. That's an amazing story. I'm like motivated, and I feel like okay. I can do this now <laughs> just hearing all of those things. Cause I think it's really true. What you said about the universe, like what you put out, not only does it come back to you, but it does, it leads you to the people that help you and believe in you and give you those opportunities. And you can see it from the very start of your journey that as soon as you started and you recognized, okay, maybe this isn't for me. And then you went to the the next thing and you're like, well, I tried and I'm getting there. We're getting warmer. It's not quite this yet, but we're getting there. And it just kept leading you to the right place. And I think that that's so cool. And it's just listening. And it's those, you know, synchronicity, synchronicities, what's that word? Synchronicities that that get you there. And I think that that's amazing. Yeah, it's, um, I was very fortunate to be raised by a badass woman who always made sure that we never settled. And always said, work for your own things, work for your own life, so you don't owe anything to anyone. And anytime that I'm down or anytime that I am like doubting myself, I <laughs> I talk to my mom at least two or three times a day. <laughs> uh, and I remember a, a specific time when COVID started where I was just at a loss. I, I never really thought of myself as an anxious person. I never had felt that way. And I called my mom and I said, mom, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I don't. And she said, Siri, remember who the fuck you are. Oh yeah. Get to work, do work because that is what you do. That's the only way you're going to get through this. And it was the kick in the ass that I needed. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love her <laughs> to get, to get through it and, um, to, you know, figure out a plan and escape route and, uh, survive what we're all still going through uh, a yeah. year later. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to go back to where you said that you felt like this is it. If I don't do this now, like, what am I going to do? So what, what did that feel like? Like, were you ever afraid? Were you, did you ever feel alone or like, what am I doing or imposter syndrome? Like what made you actually just say, forget it. I have to do this. Like, I don't care. I just have to do it. I'm still afraid. I still feel <laughs> imposter syndrome every single time I think about something. I, I joke that I wish I had the audacity of less capable people. Oh my God. Yeah. Because, because, you know, I question myself so much anytime I want to implement something new or put something out into the world. Like I have this idea for a, a product that is super needed or a, a a process that is super needed and I haven't put it out into the world because I'm like, who do I think I am? So that happens all of the time, sometimes healthier than not. Uh, but most of the time it's just like that feeling in your stomach, like, what are you doing? No, no. And you know, the fear was real, but I think, you know, I went through some experiences during that time that really, really shaped my view of what I wanted my future to be. Um, I am a Latina woman. I'm Puerto Rican. I was, I grew up in a Spanish culture and very, you know, there's, there's some sets of rules that you're expected to 
guide yourself by. And I kind of did that. I, I got the degree. I got the job. I got married. I did the thing. And all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, that's just, this is not. I want happy. I don't want anything else. So for a while there, I just felt, I just literally just allowed myself to feel all the things. And that's how I guided myself. I said, well, if this doesn't feel good, I'm not going to continue through it. And it that was true for experiences, for jobs, for friendships, for relationships. It was true for 100% everything. I literally took a hammer to my life and started over because you're never too late. You, if, if what is at the end of that tunnel is your happiness, and you're never too late to start over. And I did, and I, I can tell you today that I just, I am so thankful and feel so fortunate that I have the foresight and the opportunity to just do it. And I was, I was young, I, I still am. I did not have a husband, I did not have children. I had a career that was paying me a, a good living. Um, why not? why not? I remember saying, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always get a job again. Because when you have been in the restaurant industry, you can always go back. Serving guests and waiting tables is like riding a bike. You can always go back. Never in my life will I ever think I'm above it. Never, ever. Because that's that was my school. And actually, those are my people now. All of my friends are in that industry. And I, I just... I love it so much. But yeah, I still have fear. I still have imposter, imposter syndrome. I still question every step. And it's because I care. It's because I, I care about not necessarily what's going to happen with me, but like how am I affecting the world in a positive way? That's always what I strive to do and what I strive to accomplish to make every situation better than when I got there. And that's the one thing that is always my north for my career. And what I do is I love creating memories for people. I think that that's, that's really admirable. And I think that it ties back when, when you mentioned earlier, the community too, right? Like how do you make changes in the world as you start in with your immediate community and you see how you can help that way. And I think that that's really, really amazing and making those positive changes. I love that the phrase chasing happy. I, yeah, I'm going to start to implement that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because once you get a taste of it, you just can't, can't go back. And, you know, now I like literally base most of the things that I do on that. It's like, if, if this doesn't feel good, pays my bills, or makes me happy, I don't want it. I truly don't want it in my I life. Love I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using that checklist when I'm making decisions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you made the decision to go out on your own, you're feeling this fear, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What were some of the steps that you had to take? So you already had some clients lined up, I'm assuming that they were asking you for things, but then then what? Then there's like networking and business cards and a business name like how how did all of that come come about well I was very fortunate and lucky that I already had a ton of contacts in hospitality which really ties into what I do so I definitely did not know the first thing about like what did I need to do do I need to go get a DBA I remember uh, my best friend at the time took me to the office in City Hall she was like bitch you're doing this yeah. like you just just it's like a nominal amount of money. You mm -hmm. just have to do this. And, and we did it. And she like was the one that uh, designed my, my logo and like all of these things. Uh, so that was the first step to have an actual entity so I could get paid. And then, you know, a bank account. And the name was a really funny story. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not, I mean, my first language is Spanish. So I still like mess up words all the freaking time. And I was like, how am I going to name anything? And I started looking, there was an app. I can't remember the name of it. It was a thesaurus or something that you downloaded and it would, you would type in a word and it would give you synonyms of that word. So I, I wrote, I remember writing party expert 
and it, it gave Maven for expert and social for party. And I was like, social Maven. Oh, that's I it. love that. I love that. That's, that's, that's it. So I took it and here we are. <laughs> yeah. And the chances that it hadn't been taken yet either. That's like meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it all started. And I, I had a pretty healthy amount of contacts. I knew that. And also I planned to like not have an income. So, you know, that, that really helped uh, that I was able to uh, save money to thanks to corporate America, to be able to um, support myself in that way. Um, I understand that, you know, that's not something I take for granted. I know a lot of people don't have that chance to this day. I haven't taken any loans for my business except this past year, the the PPP and and the SBA loans. But before mm-hmm. that, I paid for everything in my business myself. So I know that's not the case for a lot of people. And I feel very blessed because of that. Um, but yeah, that's how I got the name. And uh, yeah, I just went with it. I uh, started a website, which was, oh my God, I still cringe uh, at the memory of my first website. Social media wasn't really a thing. It was just mm-hmm. Facebook. So I started my Facebook page for the business. I went and did one show uh, a long time ago. Um, I was charging like an offensively low amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you just, you want to build your business. You want to build your portfolio. And sometimes you have to do things, you know, a different way. And I didn't have anyone showing me or teaching me how to do any of these things. But um, yeah, that's how I ended up doing this and just learning from doing truthfully, any aspiring event planner, producer, find someone that you can volunteer for or work under and just learn that way it's the best way to build any sort of experience in this industry yeah I think too getting into the service industry in general I mean like you said having to when you were in the kitchen and having to work with men essentially (laughs) yeah um I'm sure that helped because you have to have a backbone. You have to be able to think on the fly and and get through those types of days. Honestly, I think that that experience helped me more in corporate America than it has in my iteration in my, my life now. Um, in corporate America as a woman and as a woman in a very, very male dominated industry, it was very difficult to get to have credibility. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I, I went up the ranks pretty quickly, um, not because of anything, but, you know, my talent um, in what I was doing. And it was very, very difficult. I respect you for your journey, regardless of however <laughs> many men you had to stand up to. Yeah, uh-huh. some of the reasons why my marriage also didn't work, like a lot of relationships, you know, women that are equal, it's challenging for sometimes men to embrace having a true partner yeah. to be with a woman who does not need them. Mm, I yeah. do not, I do not need anyone. If you're in my life, you rest assured it's because I want you there. Yeah. It's not because I need you. It's not because um, you complete me. No, I am complete all by myself. Thank you. You know, it's a matter of, finding someone who is it's truly um happy to have a real partner and you know mm-hmm. after kissing lots of frogs i'm very happy to report that it exists it is uh it is out there in the world and it took me a long time to find but it's been three years now and countless miles travel but he exists i I'm so happy to meet more and more women that are standing in their truth and standing for themselves and being independent mm-hmm. and saying like, no, I don't need you. <laughs> this is, this is my life and I'm going to live it the way I want to live it and do what I need to do to be happy for myself. And if you fit in that picture, you fit in that picture. And I think that people in general just are new to that way of thinking. And it's kind of a shock to people when they come across somebody like that. And I support it 100%. And I, I am the same exact way. Yeah, people have a tendency to want to define your relationships and mm-hmm. want to figure out your life and who you are and how you live. And it's, it's like, a it's sometimes difficult for people to 
realize that no you don't have to understand my life you don't have to understand where i'm coming from that's not we can be friends without that it's as long as you respect my decisions it's fine and you know you don't have to understand why i choose to be in a long distance relationship and don't have any sort of need or want to live together none of those things none of the normal things that society has told us we have to do no thank you i'm just i'm choosing happy not that others are not happy with that because i know so many successful relationships marriages that have been you know together for a very long time and they did things in that order and that is fully fine right but that is just not for some of us no definitely i was in a very similar relationship and I quickly learned that people fear what they do not know or what they can't put, put like a finger on. And so they want to put you in that box. And it's not even just relationships. It's just people in general, like you as a person in general, if they can't understand where you're coming from or what you're doing, like, it's just, okay, that's, you're just weird or you, yeah, they just don't get it. And it, it can be exhausting to be constantly having to explain yourself. But if you just, like you said, you're just chasing happy. I'm doing me. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Whatever. That's fine. Listen, I, people ask me, what's the one thing that I love the most about owning my own business and doing things the way that I'm doing it is that I get to live life on my own terms and no one is going to tell me otherwise. Right on. Yeah. That's just never going to happen. I love that. And I, I think that if you can make that mindset shift, if, even if you're in a situation where you're not happy currently, if you can start to shift that mindset to this is my life and I'm going to live it the way that I want to, those things will start to line up to get you into that place. And I think that that's, that's I love that. Yeah, it took a while. It took a while, but we're here now. Yeah, we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let's cut back to the business part of this. So you mentioned earlier about charging an offensively low rate, but I want to ask you, because I'm really curious about this because I, so I used to sell at a flea market and I always, I know I underpriced things because I never felt worthy to ask for what it was worth. So how did you get to a point where you felt okay with asking for what you're worth? Oh, it still happens. I still have situations in which like every year I should be raising my prices a little bit more or however the market demands. And it's still very hard for me. Um, what I learned pretty quickly with one of the coaches that I've worked with is you have to know your numbers, mm -hmm. know your costs, and then put a premium on it. There is the, uh, the coach that I'm talking about. She has the spreadsheet and this formula that has how many times have you been published? How many interviews are out there of you? That is money. You should charge more for all of those accolades that you see that are out there because you work fucking hard for those. Mm -hmm. So she's been paramount in helping me get through that. Um, and I still have trouble with it. I truly still do. Uh, but I understand that if I give people discounts or charge less than my worth, not only will I diminish my capacity to live the life that I want to live and sustain the business that I want to sustain, but I'm also devaluing the others next to me. I'm also devaluing my industry. And if I don't, if, if we don't all keep going forward, this industry is just not going to grow. And especially in this area where it's kind of still super new, the need for what we do, if there, if there's no respect for, you know, the price that we're putting on things, we're never going to move the needle forward. And um, that's the only way I can do it is by looking at it without feelings, without emotion, putting that aside. I like, I, I do this thing where I like speaking out into the world. I'm like, who I, I say all the negative things that I want to say. And then I tell myself, okay, are you done? You're done with this. Okay. Now what would a man do? Take, <laughs> get rid of the exclamation marks and put a point there. What mm -hmm. would the men do? <laughs> and it goes back to the that, audacity. That's how you do it. That's how you do right. it. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah, I definitely respect that a lot because it is really hard, but I like your process of, of thinking about it in the community way too. Like if I lower my prices, then that's just going to lower the standard in general. And we can't, we can't survive that way. And I think that that, yeah. 
I went to art school and there was always a big discussion around that of asking for what you're worth, because if you don't, then they're never going to pay anybody that. Yeah. It's very personal. It's a very personal thing, especially like with art, like it's literally a part of you. Mm -hmm. It's a little tiny piece of your brain. Mm -hmm. And with us, like we, at least artists give something tangible, right? We don't give you anything tangible. We make sure nothing goes wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you can't even see it because the things that are going to go wrong, we're not going to tell you that they went wrong or because we fixed it. Yeah. So it's like, how do you explain that to someone? Um, I have a, a have a now friend who was a groom who says to me, Siri, what you sell is the smoke and mirrors. You sell the smoke and mirrors so we can't see behind the curtain, which is exactly what we want on that day. Yeah. Is to not enter the process, like to not have to look behind the curtain. I don't want to know any of those things. Just deal with it. Yeah, I think that especially for weddings, people understand that that is what they're getting. But maybe for other events, it might be harder to explain that because what could go wrong planning a bridal shower, right? Like, and you know, like what, but no, there's so much that could happen. And it, it truly is selling a service and selling yourself instead mm -hmm. of this tangible thing. Yeah. And selling, you know, the experience and the context that we have in this industry to me, time is money. A hundred percent. If, if it's an hour of my life that I can't be billing someone for, I'm losing money. So yeah. anytime I need some, something done that it should be done by an expert, I hire someone to do it. The time that I'm going to waste, try to figure it out on my own, I could be making money <laughs> some other way. That's why I am a huge fan of um, outsourcing and having someone to clean my house. Honestly, if I can stop one hour of my life to clean my house, that's the least I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to probably take a nap, go <laughs> for a walk with my dog, see my friends. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do when I have time off during the busiest time of the year. Um, so I outsource that, you know, so it, it's in your then creating, you know, income for other people. So it's, it just keeps going. Yeah, I, I remember reading a quote, I don't know where, but it was something along the lines of money might not be able to buy you happiness, but it can buy you time. And what you choose to do with your free time is typically what makes you happy. So money buys you happiness. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to say about that. Mm -hmm. Because the subject of time is the one thing that I've taken from last year. Right. Never again in my life will I be granted the space and time to not be obligated to do anything. Yeah. It made me super angry in the beginning of quarantine. All these people that were like, oh, let's work out. Let's lose weight. Let's go on a diet. Let's do it. Yeah. No, mm -mm. no, we, we, no, don't do, don't feel like you have to do anything. All this toxic positivity mm -hmm. and toxic like you know guilt tripping people that they should be doing something with this time no you do whatever it is that you want to do with that time I was I'm so thankful that I had that time to stop literally stop pull my head out of my own ass <laughs> and look around me and say okay what now how do we come back stronger? How do we take some negative and turn it into a positive so we can cope and deal with mourning the loss of so much, right? right? Yeah. So I just, I, I just dove into education. I never had the chance of going and learning more about my own industry and it's ever evolving. So if you don't go back and learn it, you're outdated, right? So I, I took this time to just reflect on everything I have and everything I've done and looking back and trying to hone into the things that I can make better, the things that I can make different and also to sleep. I slept a whole lot. Good which was really you. nice. And I made a lot of really delicious meals. And I spent a lot of time with my lovely, lovely boyfriend and my 
crazy dog and we went on walks in the woods and mm-hmm. you know i'm so yes it was a shit sandwich it was like just terrible i lost over seventy thousand dollars in revenue as mm-hmm. of you know two weeks ago and still counting but i've gained so much perspective that nothing else would have given me and that is to me doesn't have any monetary value it's just such a gift to be able to slow down and really look into your life and yourself and take care of what really matters because guess what that's fine yeah I mean, taking a break and pausing and being able, I mean, we all as a world essentially had to, and a lot of people took that time to, to like you did say, how can I move forward and be better? How can I take this time to listen to myself and listen to that little voice that was probably talking the entire time we were all working really hard, but we were not listening because we were so busy. So Mm -hmm. now how do I listen and how do I move forward with that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting to say the least, because one of the hardest things to do is, you know, sit in silence with yourself because no one, no one's going to hold you more accountable to shit than yourself. Yeah. And, um, once the, once the world stops turning and the music is off, you really do have to sit in silence with yourself. And that's when you really realize like, okay, this is, this is what we need to change. Mm -hmm. This is what we need to Mm -hmm. improve on, or this is great, you know? Yeah. other people are like oh yeah this is great this is exactly I thrive in this I, I quickly realized that um I just could live the rest of my life without wearing a bra again yeah that <laughs> totally. is uh that is a real thing it's now yeah. kind of a of a pain for me mm-hmm. to uh put on real clothing I feel uh, that <laughs> but I, I, I realized that I need to purge more and that I need to like make space for things that are not material things, but things that are um, experiences and, and moments, you know? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, that goes really well with your whole business mission, right? Like the experiences and, and the moments that matter. So in the beginning of the episode, I said that you had two businesses. So we covered Social Maven. So how did Petite Soiree come about? And what is that all about? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I say that I take time to like introspect and like do things like that. But I'm always doing the most uh, because I can't stand still. I'm always uh working, working, working on, on all kinds of things. So Petite Soiree, I didn't have the name, but I always had this idea of smaller events because if this is a big secret, I prefer small parties. I prefer small events. Why? Because your money goes much further and you are way more present and you can create exquisite experiences for your guests make it super personalized and you're not spending a fortune. Yeah. When you have to do something for 200 people, it's sometimes not, I mean, it's too way too much. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am probably one of the only wedding planners that is going to tell you, you do not need to get into a marriage in a bunch of debt. Yeah. Don't spend all your money on a wedding. So Petit Soiree uh, came out of that, of the fact that I really, really wanted to create a brand around smaller events. I didn't want to cannibalize my main brand that I've built through the years and that I believe in and I love uh, because we do a ton of big events. But in order for me to be able to change the pricing structure and accommodate a smaller event without cannibalizing my main brand was to start something geared towards that audience. And I had talked about this forever. And then when COVID happened, I spent the first two and a half months in Ohio, where my boyfriend lives, um, in the middle of the woods. <laughs> and uh, he said, he's the one who he said to me, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just do it? And I kind of had a feeling, once you've been in this industry or any industry for a long time, you can kind of 
foresee the trends and the things that are going to happen depending the circumstances. So as I started seeing the rules and regulations and the mandates that were happening in other states and all over the world, I kind of knew that it was going to land on 50 at some point, maybe not immediately, but we were definitely not going to get to 100 right away. So I started gearing it towards 50 people. And then the name, again, I was like, small party, because I'm, I'm pretty simple. Yeah. If you like really look under the hood, it's like, <laughs> it's pretty simple stuff. Um, but see, sorry, and it's funny because I later learned that the same day, another petitory launched in dc it was some yeah. collective some you had some collective brainwave happening up there yeah so i launched it april 1st and i did all i did the website and all the social in one night that was within like a couple weeks of covid hitting yeah wow you you don't pull are you yeah you're just right in there yeah well there was nothing else to do yeah <laughs> this is true um, and thankfully, Michael is a very, very gifted web designer and engineer, and he kind of like helped me with a little bit of code and um, told me, you know, move this to the left, move this mm -hmm. to the right, and he helped me through, but I kept him up that lit, super late that night uh, launching it, and I reached out to a bunch of partner, uh, vendor partners who wanted to be a part of it, and everyone really, really received it super well, and it's very successful right now and it's it's moving forward because you know that's that's kind of like what the future holds and even if we don't book 30 events like social maven does a year i'm totally fine with it because i just i want there to be another option for mm -hmm. people who are interested in that type of event um and lots of your baby showers lots of your bridal showers lots of like you know, birthday parties, dinner parties. I am always looking for reasons to celebrate yeah. uh, anything and create, you know, beautiful celebrations for people. And events, beautiful, cohesive, logistically sound events don't just happen. Mm -hmm. They are the product of a lot of planning and a lot of commitment and knowledge and expertise from someone behind the scenes. That's what people need to understand, that those events don't just happen. And now we have an alternative for events of 50 or less in I'm working on something else uh, that I probably should tell you. So I'm like, yeah. committing myself to it and make myself right? do it. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that there's a lot of people who actually need our help, but can't afford the minimum that we have to have in order to be profitable. Because right. I'm at the point in a business where, I have to hit a certain number in order to be profitable. And it's not a matter of discussion. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot of people that can afford something, but not necessarily the pricing that we have. I want to create an online resource where it's a downloadable um, portal that you purchase from me. And once you enter it, you have all of the forms with videos and guidance to do it yourself. And there's also a package of hours included in there of consultations with me. And at the end of it, you have the chance or the option of adding a member of my team for your day. Once we have all your information, because day of planning or day of coordinations, it, that's not real. That is not a thing. And I will take that to my grave. You don't, anyone that promises you that, run away, run yeah. away. Well, like you said, it takes so much planning to have something go smoothly. You don't realize that something is going smoothly until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like you don't realize. Then it's too late. That it's too late. Yeah. So that is really important to remember that. And, you know, like you said earlier, like you're selling yourself and you're selling your service and it's hard because there isn't this tangible thing. But as soon as it's absent, it's very noticeable that it's not there. Yes. I yeah. wish everyone would realize this. I wish people would realize that they do not want to be answering questions or text messages from yeah. a, a hundred of their closest friends or family the week of their wedding. Like right. there's, that's not a thing that should happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, weddings are such an emotional time in a couple's lives. And everyone wants to make it perfect. Uh, there's so many emotions and feelings attached to that, 
that if you don't have someone impartial and neutral like me, you make a lot of the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. And it causes friction between families. It causes friction between you and your fiance. Your planning, wedding planning process should never be a point of contention between a couple. It should never be like that. You should always be able to say, okay, well, let's not discuss this. Let's ask our wedding planner and see what they say. It's like you wouldn't diagnose someone's illness. Like, mm-hmm. you, and you know, WebMD is not the way to go either, yeah. right? Like you go to a doctor. So like ask an expert for advice and for their expertise <laughs> because it'll save you time, money, and your relationship and your hair probably. Yeah. That is such a good way to look at it because I do think that people struggle with purchasing things that are not tangible, but you are purchasing peace of mind and expertise and years and years and years of expertise in some instances, in your instance, you know, like it's just peace of mind and having a day go out, go off without a hitch. Okay, so if anybody is interested in contacting you or finding you, how can they go about doing that? There's a million ways to find me. Um, You can definitely uh, email us. Siri at socialmavenbuffalo.com is my main email. You can um, send us a DM on Instagram at socialmavenbuffalo or at Petite Soiree Buffalo. You can go to my website or... Um, I have a storefront. I have a design studio, which is also my office. It's where I am right now. It's located at 69 Elmwood Avenue. Funny story with that. The previous tenant for this space was Acme Cabinet Company. Uh, My friend, Sean, is the owner, one of the owners of that, uh, Sean and Keith, and I love them. And when they left, I never took the sign down. So it still says Acme above my building. I love that. <laughs> and I and I definitely don't hate it. I definitely don't hate it because we are by appointment only. I, you can't just walk in, especially now. Do not come in. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I always tell people, yeah, under the Acme sign. And I think it's so funny and nobody else thinks it's funny. I think it's hilarious. Maybe we'll change it. Maybe we won't. But I'm here most of the time. Um, just look for the pretty tablescapes on the windows. And that's where I'm at. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. And that you're that was awesome. You're you're most excellent. I'm not worthy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me and keep up the good work. Keep up spreading the word about women um, in our area that are making a difference. Uh, and you are one of those women. So hopefully you know that. Thank you. Thank you again, Siri, so much for sitting down and being so open and vulnerable and motivational and inspiring and all of those other things. If you want to stay in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at RustBeltBabes, or you can send me an email at RustBeltBabes at gmail.com. Signing off with love and light. Later, babes. Later, babes.